I don't know where you live, but unless it is under a rock, surely you know that we come to church this Sunday after a week that is dripping with blood. And in light of the tragic deaths that have occurred in our nation this past week, I wanted to take a moment to say a few words from the scriptures that have been on my mind and heart. Um, My wife is the oldest of five. Her youngest sister is black. Her youngest brother is a white cop. This still, at the end of the day, makes me a really white pastor from northern Kentucky. It makes me an expert on absolutely nothing. I can't lean on my circumstances or even my past experiences to claim to be an authority in this area at all. But you and I have this in common. We can lean on the word of God. We can look to the word of God for hope and for help. So even though this is not going to be a sermon, it's just going to be a few brief remarks and then I hope to spend some time in prayer, I wanted to share with you some of the things that were on my mind as I reflected upon and prayed about and thought about the events that have uh, taken place this week. And I hope it'll help you as you process these recent events and no doubt future events that are similar in nature. Number one, three words. And this might seem elementary to you, And this might seem obvious to you, but it bears repeating and you need to remember it and I need to remember it. And it's the same, it's the same three words that brought me comfort on September 12th, 2001, living in New York City. And it's the same three words that are going to bring you comfort despite what happens in our country, despite no matter what happens in our world and no matter what happens in your life. If you love the Lord, these three words need to be repeated, need to be reminded, need to be said. And they are simply this. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Psalm 99 says this, the Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The king in his might loves justice. When we see videos of violence such as we've seen in recent days, as frail human beings, one might think that this is yet another sign of the very fabric of our society being torn apart. I know I do, and I think it is that. Be that as it may, as I preached just a few weeks ago, we need to remember the words of Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and following, that our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And that's not me saying what we need to do is hide behind our Bibles and stick our heads in the sand and pull an ostrich move and make like we don't give a care, make like we don't know anything. It's just that we're talking about priorities. We're talking about things to remember first. We're talking about a grid through which we would interpret the things that happen in our life. We are part of a social order that transcends and will outlast this American one. We are part of a social order as citizens in heaven that transcends and will outlast this American one. And so we can be and should be concerned for our country but not as lost people do. God calls us to be courageous. 
And we can do that not because we're Americans and not because we're resilient. We can do that because our God reigns. We hear it in the Psalms, and we're going to be singing it at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then I heard Revelation chapter 19. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord, our God, the Almighty, reigns. Our God reigns. We aren't as those without hope. Our God reigns. Secondly, our hearts need to break. I don't think indifference is an option for the Christian. Nor do I think our first go-to should be to throw up some meme on our Facebook wall or to claim to be an expert on matters that we really aren't experts on. Either because of where we are in life or because all we have to go on is video footage made from an iPhone. Indifference is not an option. Our hearts need to break because death is hard and death is sad. Andrew and Taylor, where are you? Serving in the nursery. Andrew and Taylor have been married two weeks longer than police officer Brent Thompson was, who was shot in Dallas. Police officer Patrick Zamaripa was 32 years old and leaves behind two children. Alton Sterling had children, one of which was weeping uncontrollably at a press conference. Officer Mike Kroll had a lifelong dream to be a cop, and his life was not that long. Officer Lorne Ahrens was the guy everyone was happy to have on their shift with him, and he's gone. Officer Michael Smith entered eternity his first day back to work after vacationing with his wife and two daughters. Philando Castile was shot in the front seat of a car and a four-year-old girl was sitting in the back. And Proverbs 17:15 says, "He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Before we pass judgment, we should weep." Because death is hard and death is sad. Before we claim to know everything about a situation because we've read the latest, we should be sad. And instead of posting op-ed pieces, rather than firing up something on our latest social media feed, maybe the best thing we can do is be sad. Be sad. Compassion will drive you to your knees. Compassion and sadness will drive you to your knees as you seek to try to put yourself just for a moment in a situation that you really have no idea what it's like, but you ask the Lord to help you so he breaks your heart. And in every one of these situations, regardless of the circumstances that surround them, there are people left behind whose lives are changed forever. Many of them are children. Indifference is not an option. And finally, the gospel really is of first importance. 
And that's not just a happy note to end on because I'm a pastor and then we can crank up the band. The gospel really is of first importance. Violence will shake us. It reminds us of the the presence of our sin in our world. And it also reminds us of the presence of sin within ourselves. And if you're outraged at injustice in our world, it's a reminder that this world is not all there is. And Hebrews 9 and verse 27 reminds us that all of us have been appointed to die and then stand in perfect judgment. Every human being on the planet, regardless of color, race, born or in utero, has been created in the image of God and have value. But the bottom line is we desperately need Christ. We desperately need Christ. And Jesus lived the life we can't live and died the death we deserve to die and rose from the grave so that we would have life everlasting. And that is the gospel. And it's the only way we'll be reconciled to God. And it's the only way, ultimately, after that, that we would be reconciled to each other. That we can band-aid this hemorrhage as much as we want. But at the end of the day, if your hope is being put in a better political system or a better leader or a better turn of events here on this earth, ultimately you are putting a band-aid on a hemorrhage. And what we need most importantly is for God to move, to move mightily on the hearts of people all over the earth, all over our nation, and particularly for those people who are involved here. People need comfort, they need help, and most importantly, they need salvation. Ephesians 2, verse 11 and following. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what it is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Praise his name. For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace. And might reconcile us, look at this, both to God in one body through the cross. Thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace To you who are far off and peace to those who are near alike. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. But here it is again. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Habakkuk chapter 1 beginning in verse 1. The prophet says this. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. Or cry to you violence. And you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. I'm thinking on this passage. Can can you relate? Does it resonate with you? How long? Why do these things happen? Why do we cry violence and it seems that you don't save? Or who's winning? Why do the wicked prosper? We see this throughout the scriptures. Verse 4. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous so justice goes forth perverted. 
And then in verse 5, God answers. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Nowhere on Habakkuk's mind or the Lord's was the United States of America when this was written. But this is the perspective that I think we need to have. We need to pray, verse 5, that God would do a work in our days that we wouldn't even believe if he told us. That God would work among his people, that God would work in the hearts and lives and minds of his people, that we would be changed, that people would be saved, that peace would rule and reign, that justice would happen for all those who are oppressed, and that God's name would be glorified. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. So I want to take some time right now and, um, and pray. If you're physically able, if you could bow in knee with me before the Lord, if that's something you would want to do. I don't even know if you have room to do it here. We've never tried this before, but let's give it a shot. If you're physically able, let's bow in knee before the Lord. And before I pray, um, I'm going to ask that we just observe a moment of silence as we reflect upon and think upon the word of God. As we allow our hearts to be moved and stirred, perhaps God would use this as a time for us to, perhaps God would lay upon our hearts um, a little bit of what it's like to be somebody missing a family member today or a friend today or a dad today, or a little bit what it's like to be living in a city that seems to have been ravaged by violence. Let's pray. God, we come before you now not in a religious act of piety, uh, Lord, not, by any, not for any sake of any ritual, and not just because this just seems right, or this is what we ought to do. We come to you now on our knees because we need help. Lord, we need help to better understand things we don't understand, things we can't understand. Lord, our nation desperately needs help on so many, so many levels. Lord, there are people now who are spending this Sunday unlike any other Sunday they've ever had before in their life. They need help. Lord, help us to repent of our ways. Maybe it's indifference. Maybe, we, maybe we're used to it because we're so callous because we just see these things happening all the time. And it's just, it's just another one. It's just another protest. It's just another shooting. It's just another, another cop down, another person, another person gunned down by a cop in an altercation. We don't know. We'll find out what happens. Lord, we don't want to be like that. Lord, we want to be moved with compassion. 
We want to be able to, at least at the end of the day, although we know very little, be able to say, that sounds very hard. And this world seems very broken. And we are thankful that you reign. We take great peace in knowing that ultimately you reign. And we're thankful for your love for us. We're thankful for the mercy and compassion that you've shown us. And we're thankful that we can boldly approach your throne in this our time of need, boldly asking you, without a shred of doubt that you hear, for help, for comfort, for peace, for salvation, for guidance, for wisdom, for strength. And Lord, we pray that you would heal the hearts of those involved, those who are closely involved, those who are really feeling pain on this day more than we are. Father in heaven, would you be with them in a very special way? Even now, as these words leave my lips, would you move upon them that they would just be aware that you are there, that they would just be aware of your presence? Lord, do that in a way that only you can. Do that in a way they can feel. Do that in a way that is undeniable. And Lord, for those of us who are here, grow us in compassion, grow us in mercy, grow us in patience, grow us in kindness and in love and in humility. And teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And Lord, use this tragedy. Lord, would you redeem it? Would you save someone as a result of it? Would, you, would someone in some way, shape, or form be moved towards Jesus Christ even this day that they would be given the gift of eternal life and cry out to you for help. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.